It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. We are broadcasting in front of a live studio audience at Wall. Waldorf College. Oh man, what a what a beautiful audience! This is freshman orientation at Waldorf College. We're in uh, Forest City. Is that correct? Yes, Forest City. Forest City, Iowa. Waldorf College is a liberal arts college, and we have our first guest Ray with us. Hi, Ray. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. And you are a theater major, communications major, communications. We cover a lot of um, social issues on this radio show, and I thought maybe uh, just pulled one out of my hat. Um, we want to talk about child obesity, and um, really the, not because you're a fat kid, you're not. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> this is radio, you can't see Ray, he's a very good looking guy, and he's in great shape, I'd say about 3% body fat. Yes, about 3%, no, about, well, I'm fat right now, so I'm about 10%. 10%, okay, that's still pretty low. So, um, just some thoughts from maybe the front row as far as this microphone can go. Some quick ideas on how kids can stay active. To get out of the house from behind the computer, eat an apple, and stay active. Um, they should probably stop playing video games and join a sport. Join a sport. Okay. What do you think? Sounds great. I don't know. <laughs> okay. We're off to a great start so far. Okay. What do you think? Go to the park. Go to the park. And so, you know, does it seem to you like kids today just sit in the basement and don't do anything? Yeah, pretty much. They just sit there and play video games. Okay, so at your local park, there's all kind of stuff to do there, right? Yeah, there's slides, swings, merry-go-rounds. Yeah. <laughs> no, all right. You were, you, you were at the park all day, weren't you? Yeah. All right, what do you think? Yeah, parks. Uh, I don't know. I hear the mall has a great... Uh, Roller coaster or something like that. So maybe they. Well, yeah, the Mall of America. They yeah, 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 they've got the theme park up there in uh, Minneapolis. And um, what if? Uh, what are you? Eighteen now? Yes. What's your name? Jack. Jack, if you were four years old, what do you miss most about being four years old? Just outside in general, you know, just playing tag, freeze tag, ball tag, you know, any kind of tag. That was the best. So yeah. <laughs> there it is. That's that's the answer we're looking for. Tag and freeze tag. I miss that too. Let's take a commercial break and start a big game of freeze tag right here at Waldorf College, okay? Can we do that? What do you think, Ray? I like the idea. Okay, we're fighting child obesity uh, one child at a time. It's a public service announcement from your friends at Waldorf College. Send your questions, comments, or concerns to The Adam Ritz Show by emailing adam at adamritz.com. Our guest is Jim Burt. Hi, Jim. Nice to see you. Uh, Super Bowl champion with the uh, New York Giants and one heck of a golfer, I'll tell you that. I have a couple questions for you about uh, decision-making for student-athletes and professional athletes. Now, it's, it's been a few years since you played college football, but uh, a lot's changed and a lot stayed the same. Um, I don't know if you have a son or not, do you? I do. You do? Okay. If he's, uh, let's say he's a blue-chip All-American high school football player, he's going to play big-time Division I college football like you did at Miami. What is your best advice for a young man heading into uh, that kind of high-risk environment? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a high risk if you want it to be high risk. You make what you, you, make what you put into it. And um, the key point is, if you're being recruited to a great school like that, 
is to take advantage of it. And what I mean by taking advantage of it, the school and the athletics, because your chances to make the pros are not as great as you think they are. But the thing I want to say is, you know, I'll be 52 and we talk about it all day at golf today. Um, I said that you, you, have, you have opportunities in life. And what you do as a young person dictates what happens when you get older, when you're in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. And I've seen people that were much more talented than I and much more talented than a lot of guys that were very successful people, but they took advantage of their opportunities by knowing, knowing you know, their, their uh, atmosphere and, and their limitations and, and all those things. And it's very important to, uh, to do the proper things when, when, when needed, when no, one's else, no one else is watching. So. Let's go back in time with a special time machine. We're going to make believe right now and go back to your rookie year. Uh, and again, like we were saying, everything you, all the decisions you make affect where you're going to be when you're 30, 40, 50, 52 years old. Go back to your rookie year. What would you say to yourself if you could go back into a time machine, sit down with yourself as a rookie? Uh, what kind of advice would you give yourself? You know, basically, basically what I told my dad, you know, when they first went to college and the pros, it was like, I want to maximize everything I have, and I don't want to look back and say, what if I had done this and what if I had done that? I wanted to turn every stone over and uh, examine it and uh, do all the things I could possibly do to be the best I could. So when I do live the rest of my life, and I, end up, I was lucky enough to play till I was 35, um, I plan to play in 12 years, that I knew that I did everything I possibly could do to maximize my potential. And as long as you do that, you win. Even if you don't make it, even if you don't make it in the starting lineup of, the, of your college team or, or make it in the NFL, if you've done everything that you're supposed to do and you do it the right way, then you feel satisfied with yourself. And that's really the key is to really feel comfortable about yourself and know that you did, you did everything you possibly could do to be successful. That's fantastic. And uh, finally, just for fun, what's your uh, single most favorite moment of your career in the NFL? Well, you know, you have, you have goals. You set goals for yourself um, while, while you're playing and while you're a kid. And you always and you, and you have dreams. My dream was to play in the Super Bowl, and um, so we went to college, and you know we had a pretty decent, successful um, career in college, and we went to the pros and wanted to make the pros and all that. But you know, always want to get to the Super Bowl, and um, it, it was a daunting task in the beginning because we really didn't have a good team. But over a period of time, over four or five years, we started getting better and better. And then finally, our sixth year, we broke through, and we won the Super Bowl, and. Um, we, we kind of had, it was a little bit of a blowout at the end of the third quarter. And I was able to bring my five-year-old son on the field, put him on my shoulder, you know, watch the whole fourth quarter. Sometimes if the play was down further, we'd be on the field. And I had him with me the whole time, and it was, it was, a, it was a great experience. And, and then just the thoughts going through your mind, all the things that you did to get there, um, playing a little league and, and your dad, and thinking about the things that the people that got you there, your mom and your dad and your brothers and sisters, the support you got. And you know, you know, doing the things that you you needed to do to get there, and then you know all the pain that you went through to to to, call, to get that, and you realize that all the work that did pay, and it, 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 all the stones you overturned and the obstacles you got past were all worth it. Do you miss two days? Do you miss training camp? I don't, but I, <laughs> I do. I do miss. I do miss the camaraderie, though. I miss the. You know, it was. You know, after playing actually 16 years, four four with the uh, Miami Hurricanes, and then 12 with the, the Giants and the 49ers. It was a little um, shock not to be, you know, in that camaraderie. So it took me two or three years to get past the competition thing. It was really a tough transition, but you know, we got through it and started focusing on, you know, the kids, coaching the kids, and you know, business, and you know, try to rock it. Well, fantastic, Jim. I My appreciate pleasure. your time. Nice you. It was great meeting you, and uh, you're one heck of a and man. Don't, and don't forget about. 
lesson I gave you in I golf. remember. I'll never <laughs> always remember. That was Jim Burt, big number 64 on the defensive line from the Super Bowl Giants team. He played with Lawrence Taylor. You remember big Jim Burt, number 64. Also won a Super Bowl with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I'm Adam Ritz. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at Adam Ritz. And we continue our conversations uh, about leadership uh, with another football player, starting quarterback at Colorado State University. This is Garrett Grayson. Hi, Garrett. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. The season is just about ready to begin. What is going through your mind and your heart? Last year, you know, I didn't get the taste of it, what it was like to open up the season at the starter. Last few games, I got to start and get those under my belt, you know, and get that get that level of what it is like to be a Division One college quarterback. But uh, going into this game, you know, preparing like I did all last year and preparing like I did the last four games, mainly, you know, watching all that film, all, taking all the extra steps. But uh, going into this game, that mile high, all those fans, you know, hopefully we can pack it and whatever. I think it's 80,000 fans that will fill it up. Uh, hopefully we can fill that up and show everybody what we've got going for the next 12 weeks. Division One college quarterback, along uh, with all the talent, skill set, and decision-making that you need to make on the field, uh, people really look up to you as a leader off the field as well. Do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I do all the time. Coach, uh, Coach Napier, my quarterback coach, tells us all the time, you know, this – this position didn't choose you, it, you chose it. So we have to go in every practice, every game, preparing and you know making sure guys can look at us and be like, okay, you know, that guy is confident, he's ready to win, ready to take us you know, to that, where we want to go. And so I got to go and show body language. You know, everybody says all the time, it's not how you speak necessarily, it's, it's what you're showing somebody. And so I got to go in every day, weight room, where, wherever it is, classroom, and just look confident, look like I know what I'm doing. And even though sometimes you may not know, you just got to look like it so people can have confidence in you. And then off the field, uh, again, with your community service projects, um, how important is that to you as a student athlete, the platform you're given as, a, as an NCAA Division I college athlete, to be able to uh, really service a, a role in your community? We felt like uh, we, had, we had a few things go on this spring that kind of tarnished, I guess, our... Uh, Reputation, and that's not what we want. You know, wanting people to look at a CSU football team, but you know, those guys, those guys really look out for what is going on in the community and want to, want what's best for the community and themselves. Everything, you know, so they want to give back to us, and that's what we feel like we need to change. Is really put back those, put back in those people like the belief factor, like of what we want to offer them, and so they can come to our games and see us. When they see us out in the field, they can really be happy about what we did for them. What's the one game on the schedule that you're looking forward to this season? Uh, I'm looking for the opener, to be honest. I didn't get to playing it. I had to do signals all game last year, and I was dying to playing it. And looking up in the stands, you know, I'd never been in the stadium that big, so looking up and seeing all those people, I was itching to get out there and play. So I'm looking forward to that game the most. And now a truly inspirational story on The Adam Ritz Show. In beautiful, sunny Southern California at San Diego State University, we're with Jeremy Poinsonneau. Hi, Jeremy. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic, and uh, well, one, because I'm in San Diego, two, uh, I'm with you. Uh, an absolutely amazing story of, a, of an athlete, uh, a golfer. We talk to a lot of athletes, student athletes in college, a lot of professional athletes, but your story is truly amazing. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to give away the secret here as to uh, what kind of a championship golfer you really are. So let's talk about the last time you played golf. Uh, when was it? Where was it? Was it a tournament? Uh, yeah, it was a tournament round I played uh, last week in Columbus, Georgia, and it was the national championships. 
the national championships the national in Champions. Columbus, Georgia. Yes. And uh, what is the specialty uh, with this golf tournament? So it was the national championships of blind golf. And uh, I've been legally blind for the past two and a half years. And I actually won the national championships in Columbus, Georgia a week ago. That is truly amazing. I, I got to believe that most people don't even uh, know that blind golf exists. I yeah. mean, those are two words that nobody really puts together. Yeah. You've got to have pretty good vision to be able to play golf with that little ball and that little stick and yeah. 400 yards of a fairway. How do you pull that off? There are differences in sight categories. There are three different sight, sight categories. There's B1s who are totally blind. Or B2s, that's my division, which is 2600 or worse vision, but not totally blind. And then B3 is 2200 to 2600. So I won the B2 site category for the national championships. And the best thing about blind golf is it's a team sport. It's not individual. So my dad is actually my coach most of the time in competitive rounds. And uh, he lines me up. He, he does all the work. I execute the shots. And the fun thing we say is if, if I had a bad shot, it's all his fault. If I had a great shot, it's all, my, it's all me. So you've got a smooth swing, and he lines your shoulders up. He tells you where to point and yeah, shoot, and you, me, you go for it. Yeah, he'll tell me it's a par four, tell me the distance. I want to know the distance to know what club to hit off the tee. And then from there, he'll uh, he'll point down the line of the middle of the fairway. And then he'll, what he'll do is he'll stand behind me, line up the uh, – make sure the club face is square and make sure my feet are lined up where he wants. And then he says, you're good to go, and I hit the shot. And then when you're on the green – uh, your your vision is is very it's blurred if not completely gone in the center of your of yeah. your line of sight. You've got some peripheral vision. You were yeah. telling me. So when you're putting, you can't see the cup at all. Yeah, yeah, it depends how close it is. I mean, if it's a close putt, I can see the cup, but I have no central vision. I lost my central vision due to a rare hereditary disease. I had no idea I had. It's called Labor's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy (L H O N). Um, so I have no central vision. All this is completely blurred out, but I have complete peripheral. So to somewhat see the camera, I have to look up here. Um, but when it comes to putting, I, I walk the paces from my ball to the cup, and I'll say, okay, I'll walk, okay, it's five paces, and I can feel, okay, it's an uphill putt, and my dad and I will talk it over, and like the team sport, it's, okay, dad, I feel uphill, is it going to break left? He says, yeah, it's going to break left, how far? Okay, and then we work that out, and then I'll, I'll play what I think is a five-pace putt, and hopefully we hear it go in. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun stuff. And what do you, can I ask you what you shoot? Yeah, uh, in Georgia, I shot an 87 and a 90 in a two-day tournament. Um, I've shot the, my lowest so far is a 77 in a non-competitive round. And when you uh, were younger and you had your sight, you, how old were you when you, when you were diagnosed legally blind? Uh, 19 years old, and right. I'm 21 now. And you're 20. So did you play golf before? Yeah, I've played golf my whole life. Uh, I've played competitively. I played uh, three years varsity in high school. Uh, I got down to a four handicap at one time, and then now uh, I lost my sight, and I'm considered a 16 handicap. And let's talk real quick about how to get in touch with you. Do you have a website, Twitter? I know you're doing some motivational speaking. How much more motivation do you need than to hear from a blind golfer? That's amazing, an amazing story. So how can we get in touch with you uh, yeah. to learn more about what you're doing and your mission? Yeah, so my name is Jeremy Pointsno, and then I have a website, jeremypointsno.com. And then you can follow me at Twitter, at Jeremy Pointsno, and Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, Pointsno, P-O-I-N-C-E-N-O-T. You can follow me there. And then motivational speaking, uh, 
I think life is all about attitude. And, you know, whatever situation you're given in life, everyone's got bumps in the road. I lost my sight. Everyone's got difficult situations. I know I've heard you had someone too, but it's the attitude and what you do to persevere. And that's what determines you as a person. And that's the message I like to spread to everybody. And it's a lot of fun. A few years ago, I noticed my vision getting blurry. I thought it was part of getting older, but I was wrong. I have a disease called age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. It's the leading cause of blindness in people 55 and older. There are treatments for AMD, but early detection is key to saving your sight. To receive a free AMD packet, call the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 800-585-0516. That's 800-585-0516. You'll be glad you did. It's the Adam Ritz Show. We're blessed to be joined by Dean of Students at Waldorf College. This is Jason Raymaker. Hi, Jason. Hi, how you doing? I'm fantastic, and uh, this is middle America, man. You can't get any down to, I guess, in, in God's country or the salt of the earth is Waldorf <laughs> College. Where are we? Paradise City, Iowa? We're pretty close, man. We're in North Iowa, near the Minnesota border. Uh, Forest City, Iowa, about 4,000 student or 4,000 population, about 500 students here at Waldorf. 500 students on campus at Waldorf College. That is awesome. That is, I mean, I don't even know what the average size of a high school is in America, but it might be bigger than this college. That's the way we want it. We want it small. We take care of our students. Our students have a great relationship with staff and each other, and uh, we like to keep it small, and it's just a, it's a good overall experience for them. Well, as Dean of Students here at Waldorf, uh, some of the initiatives you have in place for freshmen, uh, this is the time of year when people are coming back to campus, uh, starting their college careers, and it's a very high risk, I guess, time of their lives to leave mom and dad's house to start living on their own. What are some of the initiatives you have in place to hopefully inform and educate these young adults on, on what they're about to uh, enter? Well, you're absolutely right. These 18-year-olds are coming to a whole new world. Uh, new teammates, new place to live, new place to eat, uh, new roommates. You know, this is the first time a lot of them have been away from home, and a lot of them are not from Iowa, not from Minnesota. They're from all over the country. So they're not only going through a cultural shock, but uh, they're also going through this exciting new experience of going to college for the first time, making decisions for themselves for the first time. No mom and dad here, no curfew. So we talk a lot about social decision-making in, in first-year orientation that we have going on here uh, right after they arrive. Our students that just got here today have, uh, have two days of orientation, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the effects of alcohol, the risks. We'll talk about sexual assault, making good choices with uh, uh, sex or not having sex, uh, making good choices with drugs, and, and overall general social decision-making. We hear in the media a lot about um, those issues with mm-hmm. large campuses. We're talking uh, Division <clears throat> I, um, BCS-type campuses, 50,000 students. There's a lot of social issues and, and a lot of bad decisions made on a Saturday night. Um, but it, I've got to believe those, those things still happen on a campus this small. 500 students is such a small campus compared to 50,000 at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. But there's, uh, there's got to be, uh, I guess, some, some good and bad that goes along with being that small. It's probably uh, more of a family unit, but still you've got to watch out for those uh, bad decisions. Yeah, those decisions uh, do still happen here. And 
what's interesting is they, they make the paper and they make the campus newspaper and, and people know everyone. So when that decision is good that a student makes, everybody knows. When that decision is bad that a student makes, everybody knows. So uh, it kind of is good and bad together. So we, we talk a lot about that with our students. Is hey, you know, you're, you're in a small town of 4,000. You're in a small campus of 500. Every decision you make is kind of in a fishbowl here. You know, it's a much uh, much different situation where you, you can't really hide out from those decisions. So uh, it can make or break your your college experience at, at a small college like us because uh, once that decision's out there, and it may be a bad one, uh, it creates some real uncomfortable situations for a student. Our guest is Jason Raymaker, the Dean of Students at Waldorf College in Forest City, Iowa. And we've been talking about freshmen and their responsibility level, learning about a new life in college and uh, social awareness with social issues and drinking and drugs and sex. How, uh, if we could turn the focus from freshmen to faculty, is there, are there initiatives or any education in place for actual faculty, professors, administrators on the same type of information? Don't date a student. Don't d get a DUI. You will be fired. Absolutely. <laughs> and those things are not immune to colleges, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we take faculty that are hired through a faculty orientation. Uh, they go through sexual harassment training. They go through uh, something that we call boundaries training that covers a lot of those issues. It might be dating. It might be drinking. You might be a faculty member that... Uh, rents out property in town and maybe that property is being rented to a student or you might be a faculty member that has rental property in the same unit that you're in currently. So that creates all kinds of interesting interrelationships in the small town on the small campus. You might go out to eat, go have a drink at a local establishment and sure enough there, there are students there at the same time. So uh, it's, it's unique to us because you're going to run into your colleagues, your, your, your students that you supervise or students that you coach if, if you're a coach here or uh, if, if you're faculty students that you, you teach. So we want a close relationship. We want uh, some exciting uh, things that happen between advisors, between coaches, but we certainly have to warn our employees about, about boundaries with, with, with students because those, uh, those boundaries can be crossed and it's especially vulnerable here when you have a small number of students and you really get to know them uh, on a close basis. All right, Jason Raymaker, Dean of Students, Waldorf College. It's waldorf.edu for more information. Correct. And, you know, I, I'd like to, uh, I guess, talk about um, recruiting or admissions. Uh, what's the single best thing about this campus? Let's, uh, let's get your admissions from 500 total <laughs> students now to 50,000 next year. What's well, the best part about this campus? Well, first of all, we're small, and we like that. We <laughs> want to stay that. So I might argue the 50,000, but um, we take care of our students, and our, our students get to know their faculty members, and we have a great uh, student-to-faculty ratio in the classroom. Uh, it's 15 to 1. Uh, they have a great opportunity to get involved here at Waldorf, and that's probably the second biggest thing, is 85% of our students are involved in co-curriculars, something that complements their academic experience, whether that be band, choir, theater, clubs and organizations, uh, all the different 18 sports that we have. So not only do they get an education, they're not just getting that 
or striving for that 4.0, they're, they're getting an experience that comes with that. So when they have that first okay. interview and, and uh, on their resume, they're able to talk about the service that they've done, uh, maybe the mission work, the, the experience they've had in campus ministry, uh, the leadership opportunities they've had in clubs and organizations, or maybe a, a trip that they took internationally. So it's, it's not just a degree, it's not just the education, it's the experience they have at Waldorf. And then finally, I'm not going to let you go without a, a fun question. As Dean of Students, what is your favorite line from Dean Wormer in Animal House? Oh, son, drunken stupid's no way to go through life. <laughs> I think that would probably sum it up. <laughs> and I probably have had to say that a few times uh, to, uh, uh, to a few students. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll certainly talk to them and have some humor in some of those discipline meetings. But uh, uh, for the most part, uh, we have good relationship with our students and um, just encourage good decision-making and... Um, you know, maybe that's not a bad idea. Maybe some of those movies uh, students need to see, Revenge of the Nerds, and those classic college uh, flicks that uh, that show some of the poor decisions that students yeah. make. It's funny. Just laugh for fun. Laugh yeah. now, but just don't do anything they did in the movie. Absolutely, for sure. That's Dean of Students, Jason Raymaker from Waldorf College. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com. We got a live crowd here. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for that warm welcome, man. We now uh, are joined by our co-host for the day, Shaquan Love. Hi, Shaquan. How, how are you guys doing today? I'm, I'm doing great, and uh, these are your fans here. Also, your, would you call them your... your my camp? family, my family. Your family? Yes, sir. That's very good. Okay. Now, yeah. Now, let's, uh, why don't you explain where we are and why are we here? Uh, we're at... We're in East Lansing. We're at the 4th and 1 football camp for football and ACT prep. Fantastic. And this is a group of uh, high school gentlemen, all with aspirations to go on to the next level to be student athletes and play uh, college sports, huh? Yes, sir. And what is your position? I play DB. Defensive back. What is your best skill as a defensive back? Uh, phys I play physical, so I think that's my best. So if you've got a, a, a tight end coming at you who's about 6'3", 200 pounds, and he looks like me, He's going to run over you. No. What are you going to do? I'm probably just going to lower myself and just get on your pads. And, and it's going to hurt me. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm going to stay away from you. <laughs> All, right, All right. Yeah. You. Okay. Now, the topic of the day I hear is adversity. Yeah. And uh, I had uh, earlier some, um, an executive producer told me about um, a member of the audience who had some adversity recently. The young man who was recently in an, uh, a car accident who had to go through some rehab. Uh, is he here today? Is that you? Well, f how lucky. You're right in the front row. Oh, my God. All right. It's uh, John Norton is uh, here. Now, I heard from uh, one of your coaches about this car crash. Uh, how bad were you injured? Um, I had a broken leg, um, pretty bad concussion, and... 
um, bruised ribs and a bruised lung. And what is uh, your position? Um, fullback and middle linebacker. At any point of your rehab, did they say uh, you probably shouldn't play football? No, they just they told me just keep doing it, and I got through it, and now I'm playing football again. And so from the get-go, you were like, this isn't going to stop me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back out on the field. How long was that rehab? What was it like? Um, I only did rehab for like, I went like nine times, and then they told me I could continue in the weight room. And so that's what I did, and I'm playing football again. So now we need to ask you for your expertise. There are a lot of people listening that have had injuries, uh, both due to on-the-field accidents or car crashes or otherwise. Uh, what advice can you give to them to beat the adversity to get back out on the field? Just don't give up. Keep pushing forward. If it hurts, just if it hurts too much, sit out and let it ride. But if it if you can still go, just go. Just go, baby. How about that, John Norton? Thank you, John. Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker, interviewing amazing people from coast to coast. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on The Adam Ritz Show. Thanks again for joining us on this program. If uh, you want to get in touch with me, probably the best way is with Twitter at Adam Ritz. I want to finish the show and wrap it up today with a story out of South Carolina at Lander University. College volleyball players Anna Pedazanin. Hannah Dedrick and Sarah Bain are in the news, uh, not for playing volleyball, but for getting arrested. They're charged shoplifting. They uh, stole various items from Walmart, and now they have to deal with shoplifting um, arrests and charges on their record for really the rest of their lives. So if you're 19, 20, don't make that decision now that you're going to regret for the rest of your life, that you're not going to know how to explain to job interviewers uh, 20, 30 years down the road. As you're jamming stuff into your purse, into your back pocket, into your backpack, just remember, felonies and misdemeanors are right around the corner with uh, every decision you make. I'm Adam Ritz, and uh, I'd like to thank our guests today, the uh, live studio audience at Waldorf College, as well as uh, Dean of Students Jason Raymaker, Jim Burt, the Super Bowl champion, legend from the Giants and 49ers, also talked with Garrett Grayson, starting quarterback at Colorado State University. My thanks to Jeremy Poinsonneau, the national champion of blind golf. What a truly inspirational story from Jeremy Poinsonneau. And the young man of the 4th and 1 football camp, uh, fighting adversity and becoming gentlemen at the same time, as well as football players. More information at 4thand1.org. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.